Today, I'm going to be sharing with you one of the hardest things that I'd ever have to share, I think. Um, some Just recently, God has been showing me some, some of the toughest things that I've seen in Scripture, some things that freak me out beyond words. And as I was receiving some revelation tonight, I just felt, I mean, I was crying and I just felt led. I just had to, had to get on here um, and just share my heart. So back in April 22nd, 2021, I had a, had a dream. It woke me up. Literally, it was on the minute the same date of the day. So, I mean, I woke up at 4.22 from the dream. Didn't start writing it down until 4.23. Uh, same exact date and time. So, I started writing this dream and, and I saw a window and a light on the other side beaming down from the sun. And a voice said, people should live their life like the window of opportunity is open because the light is coming through. People should run through it to me while it's still open because eventually I will close it. I'll read again. I saw a window and a light on the other side beaming down from the sun and a voice said, people should live their life like the window of opportunity is open because, wow, well, I just got revelation on that. So, so I see this window and a light on the other side beaming down from the sun. It's interesting. It's a play on words. Jesus is the son of God and Jesus is the light of the world. So in other words, that light was him. So I saw a window on the light on the other side beaming down from the sun, aka the son of God. And a voice said, people should live their life like the window of opportunity is open because the light is coming through. People should live their people should run through it to me while it's still open because eventually I will close it. The immediate understanding I got was people that are saved should have the urgency on their hearts to share the Lord with others because the window of opportunity isn't always going to be open. And the people that aren't saved or are still half in the world and half committed to the Lord would just fully jump through the window and remain fully committed to him because the window of opportunity isn't always going to be open. We aren't promised tomorrow. And I woke up. I'm not kidding, guys. I'm freaked out. I'm like, I'm startled. And whenever I have a dream like that, I, I'm like, Lord, you got to give me a verse here because I got to make sure this is confirmed in your word. And pretty quickly I heard, um, you know, Matthew 25 and went there. And first thing I read is the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. So I'll go ahead and read that briefly. And I'm just going to read you a couple scriptures and then we're just going to head out. All right. Because this is something that I just want you to ponder and think about. Here we go. So the ki- then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Remember, Jesus is the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at night, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. 
Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy the bridegroom, Jesus came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. I'll read that again. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. It reminds me, and when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like because it's exactly what I heard in my dream. I'll read it again. People should live their life like the window of opportunity is open because the light is coming through. People should run through it to me while it's still open because eventually I will close it. Remember, that was the voice of Jesus in that dream. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. It reminds me of the scripture that freaks me out the most in the Bible. It says this, not everyone who says to me, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. See that? That there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, undead many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus says, many will say to me. That word many, I've heard a preacher say in the Greek language means the majority The majority will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Here they go. They say, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied your name? These guys are doing works, prophesying. They're casting out demons. They're doing wonders. Miracles are flowing. And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. I'm reminded in 1 John 3. I did this study and it still still moves me even to today. 1 John 3, verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. So, Jesus says, you who practice lawlessness, it's like living in a lifestyle of sin. That's who he's talking to. Jesus isn't talking to in the, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He's never talking, he's not talking to the people that fall short and sin and, and repent and ask God for forgiveness and move on. He's talking to the 
living in that habitual sinful lifestyle. That's what's tough. And that's, man, that's hard. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, the Bible says. And in him there is no sin. See, he doesn't just take away our sins in heaven. It's this right here, right now. He has the ability to do it right here, right now. Jesus is the savior of our sins, not just in eternity, but right here, right now. And in him, there is no sin. If we know the word, we are in him now. We are baptized into him. We are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whoever sins, whoever abides in him does not habitually sin, the word says. Whoever habitually sins has neither seen him nor known him. And I heard a preacher say tonight, as I was moved, I heard him say that he used to pray, God used me to do this, God used me to do this, used me to do this. And the Holy Spirit stopped him and said, your prayers are off. They're off target. He said, what do you mean? And then he asked, how can my prayers be on target? And he heard the Holy Spirit say, pray that you would know me more intimately, that you would just know me more. I find this so important that as we know him more, the word tells us right here, whoever sins habitually has neither seen him nor known him. We fast forward to 1 John 4 and he says, everyone, who's, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I'm reminded of the narrow way. Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 22. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. Guys, there's this theme here. Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Iniquity essentially means sin. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves are thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are the last who will be first, and there are the first who will be last. Now, I understand there's some context there. Referring to Gentiles, the, the non-Jewish people that will be saved, things like that. But it's interesting because he still uses the same words, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say, I do not know you where you are from. 
And it even says the same words of when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and knock saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. And then later he says, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Reminds me of the unforgiving servant. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is just think about a lot of money back in the day. But he, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, that his wife and children, all that he had, that his payment may be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him of the debt. This reminds me of all that we have sinned against God and how we can never repay him. But he sent Jesus to the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, that we could receive salvation through our belief in Jesus. Right, But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a lot less money. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay all the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother, his trespasses, trespasses. Reminds me of Jesus just a few moments later. In Matthew 24, when he predicts the end times. His disciples ask him, tell us when all these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. It's the first thing he says. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there'll be famines pestilences, which is diseases, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Offended is also in a, in a lifestyle of unforgiveness. 
will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now let's pause there. The love of many will grow cold. That word love in the Greek was agape. And that's the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That agape love is the love that only believers have. In the Bible, there's four different types of love. I don't know their names and the Greek words, but there's one love that is only in the believer's heart. It's the love of God in their heart. And because lawlessness will abound, the love, the agape of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, Jesus said. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And I'm reminded now of 2 Timothy or 2 Thessalonians about the great falling away. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of Jesus' return, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So the falling away comes first. The Antichrist is revealed next. The day of the Lord will not come before it. And that freaks me out because, guys, I don't know about you, but I do not want to fall away. Lord, my my heart's cry is that you would put the sense of urgency on our heart to get right with you, to truly repent, which means not just saying sorry, but turning away from our sin, whatever sin that we may struggle with, to leave it, leave it, and run to you. We don't have to have it everything figured out to just run to you. For Lord, we can only do your will through the power of the Holy Spirit. We truly lay down our life before you. And by making you Lord out of our life, it means you are the supreme ruler that you essentially rule our life. Our life is no longer our own. We don't live to please ourselves anymore, our own flesh, 
our own desires. We're not living for ourselves, but we're living for you. For Lord, I'm reminded that you've said, if anyone desires to come after you, they must first deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow you. Lord, that we remember to truly repent is turning away from our old life and our sin and come to you. And be baptized in your name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we will receive the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Father, I pray that all who listen to this, Lord, that the spirit of the fear of the Lord would rise up on the inside and grow and grow and grow, which simply means not being scared of God, but being terrified of being away from him. Not being scared of God, but regarding him as awesome and truly holy, revering him, admiring him adoring him really considering him for who he is because the bible tells us that the fear of the lord by the fear of the lord one departs from evil and the voice of wisdom tells us in proverbs chapter one that we must choose the fear of the lord lord that we would know you more that by knowing you more you would lead us to not sin. That you would empower us to live a life pleasing to you. That we would work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. My brothers and sisters, just remember the window of opportunity is open. And the light, which is the Son of God, is beaming down. And that we should all run to that light. Run through the window to him because eventually that window will be closed. He will shut it. I love you. I pray this is a blessing for you. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.